Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. So good to have you with us on this absolutely gorgeous Father's Day. And if you allow me, please let me add a word to what Pastor Dave has already said. Happy Father's Day to all of our wonderful dads, granddads, and spiritual dads. I know I don't say it enough, but it's not because I don't think it or mean it. I appreciate you guys. I really do. Thank you for the passion you have for God and for your families. Thank you for the support of our church. You are a blessing to all of us, and we're praying that you have the best day today. It's good to have you with us. Okay, we're a couple of weeks into our brand new 13-part summer series entitled Rise and Build. And as, this, as we announced, this series, uh, we're taking an in-depth and detailed look at two Old Testament books, Ezra and Nehemiah. Both of these books cover about 100 years of building, or should I say rebuilding, from 538 B.C. to about 438 B.C., the people of God who returned home after spending 70 years in captivity, 70 years in bondage, they were committed to rebuilding what had been destroyed. And in Ezra, they rebuilt the temple. In Nehemiah, they rebuilt the wall, the city wall. These were two actual brick-and-mortar projects, like phase one and phase two. But then in addition to the construction itself, the people of Israel, uh, they were desperately trying to rebuild their relationship with God. That was the priority. That was the main motivation. Get it right and, and enter into a new relationship with the Father. Now... In Ezra and Nehemiah, God's covenant people made a fresh commitment to honor him, to walk humbly and obediently before the Lord, to strip themselves of sinful habits and practices, and to serve the true and the living God. I'm going to repeat that. When you take the time to study these two books, as you dive in to Ezra and Nehemiah, and you do more than just a casual reading, you will realize the motivation of the people to rise and build. And their decision, what they had planned to do as a group of people, was to make a fresh commitment to honor the Lord, to walk humbly and obediently before Him, to strip themselves of all of the sinful habits they had learned in the culture, and to serve the true and the living God. And when you do that, whenever you proactively and passionately pursue God, there is a guaranteed response on the part of the enemy. And that response can be summed up with one word. Anybody care to guess what that word might be? Opposition. Very good, Pastor Therese. (laughs) I promise you, You take a step toward God, 
and watch the devil, the, the devil counter with resistance, hostility, and obstruction. And don't look now, but that's what opposition means. It comes from two Latin words. The first word, opt, O-P, which means in front of, and the second word, ponir, to put. Hence, to put in front of or to set against. That's Satan MO, his method of operation. That's precisely what he does. Each and every time the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts and convinces us to make a positive shift in our lives, the enemy will put in front of us as many obstacles and distractions as he possibly can. He'll use temptations and trials, discouragement and despair. He'll go after hardship and hurt feelings. He'll use adversity and overactivity. And in addition to all that, you can count on his patented unholy trio, worry, doubt, and fear. Again, anything and everything the devil can possibly use to keep us, to prevent us from being productive and fruitful in the kingdom of God. And during his teachings, Jesus repeatedly warned us about this specific tactic of the enemy. He talked to us over and over again about it. In fact, on one occasion, he turned to Simon Peter and he said, Simon, I got to tell you, Satan has desired to have you so that he could sift you as wheat. Jesus, Satan, you, uh, uh, Simon, you have to know this. The devil is going to oppose you. He's going to come knocking on your door at all hours of the day and night. And again, no one is exempt from this strategy of the devil. And I can tell you from past experience, over a period of time that spans close to 50 years, whenever you make a fresh commitment to the Lord, fiery darts are going to be aimed in your direction. They're going to come. And that shouldn't scare us. And it shouldn't derail us. In fact, it should prepare us. It should make us ready and put us on high alert with eyes wide open. 1 Peter 5.8 says it this way. And remember, Peter had first-hand experience. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. In other words, be ready. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like what? Like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's always at work, always looking to defeat and to deceit and to devour someone. And in the book of Ezra, that someone was a group of exiles that decided that they were going to go back and in obedience to God's word, rebuild the temple. And that was after 70 years of bondage, 70 years of captivity, 70 years of being away from their homeland. Can you imagine what they were going through when they were finally set free? When they caught a break and something miraculous happened to them, something that they never even expected? would happen in following their unconditional release by the king of Persia, King Cyrus, they shouted praises to their God. When they were allowed to go back to their homeland, they were fired up. 
And I'm talking about the remnant of people who had been paying attention. Those who were listening to the prophets, those who were down on their knees praying, those who believed what the scripture had to say. They never gave up hope. They maintained their trust in God. They knew in their heart of hearts that God was getting ready to do something brand new. That he was getting ready to fulfill the prophetic word that he had spoken for years and years. And once they made it back to Jerusalem, the first order of business by God's design was to begin to rebuild that altar and to rebuild the temple. Remember, it had been totally and utterly destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. The beautiful billion-dollar sanctuary that Solomon had built for God. The same sanctuary that housed the cloud of his glory, it was broken up and burned to the ground. And so when God spoke and he said, I want you to rebuild the temple, I want you to restore the, the sacrificial system, and I, I want to enter back into a covenant relationship with you, the people, the exiles, they, they, they were all in. They jumped in with both feet. They rallied behind the vision. They responded to the word of the Lord. And they got down to the order of building. That was their business. They were all about building. Any idea what happened next? What always happens when you take a step toward God. When you respond favorably to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Opposition and resistance. Look at Ezra chapter 4. People had gotten back to Jerusalem. They were working hard. They were building the temple. And it tells us, then the people, the nations around them, set out to discourage the people of Judah and to make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus and down to the reign of Darius, both kings of Persia. At the beginning of the reign of Xerxes, they lodged an accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. As a result, verse 24 tells us, thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill. Do you know what that means? They stopped building. So get the order of what was happening. Understand the big picture. The word of the Lord went out to these exiles, rebuild my temple. Once again, restore the relationship that we've had with each other over the years. The people listened to the word of the Lord. They took it to heart. They began to build. They got involved. They did exactly what the leaders directed them to do. They bought into the vision. They began to work. And then some troublemakers came, caused chaos and confusion and all kinds of problems. And not long into the brand new rebuilding process, the people got discouraged. What did they do? They gathered their tools together and they went home. They stopped building. The project came to a standstill. And friends, since we're being so honest and transparent with this series, over the last 39 years of full-time ministry, I have watched this same script play out countless times with God's people. And now I'm talking about 
good Christian people who love the Lord and are sold out to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And here's the sequence of events in a nutshell. The word of the Lord goes out. It's dispatched. It's preached. It's spoken. It's taught. The people embrace the word. They dive in. They get involved. The devil comes along. He offers opposition and turmoil. And the same people that dived in, they drop out. Dispatch, dive, devil, and drop. Good way to remember it. Not funny, but true. Dispatch, dive, devil, and drop. Now, compare or contrast that whole 4D scenario with what Ezra did in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. Here's what it says. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. Let's read it again. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, to teach God's statutes and ordinances in Israel. In other words, not only did he start the project, he finished it. He bought into the word of God. He modeled the word of God. He taught the word of God all the way to the very end of his life. And God used him in a powerful way. God used Ezra to initiate a tremendous revival that would take place among the nation of Israel. Now, a couple of weeks ago, during the very first installment, the introductory installment of Rise and Build, I told you that Ezra was a priest and a scribe. In fact, he's probably the most notable scribe in the entire Bible. And in Old Testament time, unlike the New Testament times, scribes, they had a very important position. They handled the word of God. And even though the scripture wasn't in Bible form just yet, it was a bunch of pieces of paper and parchment all over, the scribes, they brought it all together and they meticulously detailed it out on the scrolls, word for word, letter for letter. They had an extremely important job. And Ezra, he had... Uh, the privilege of reading all of those words that the prophets had spoken. He understood what Jeremiah was, had said and what Isaiah said and what Ezekiel said and all of what the other prophets said because he copied the manuscripts. And when he heard the Freedom Proclamation, what came out of left field, nobody expected it. He knew that God was getting ready to do something big in Israel. He had read the prophecies. And he believed them. He didn't just read, he studied them. He knew what they were all about. And at that very moment when he heard that God's people were going to be allowed to leave Babylon and go back to their homeland and rebuild, he got down on his knees in thanksgiving to God and he felt the stirring of God in his own heart. He knew this wasn't an assignment for everybody else. He was going to be involved. God had called him, placed his hand upon Ezra. 
And Ezra knew that God was going to use him to play an important role in everything that was happening, the, the huge move of God that was about to take place. Now, how many of you have heard of D.L. Moody? You heard the name? Dwight Lyman? D.L. Moody was a pastor in Chicago. He also started Moody Bible Institute. Founded in 1889, so what, some 130 years ago, DMI or Moody, MBI or Moody Bible Institute still has the consideration of being one of the greatest missionary and evangelistic training centers in the world, MBI. I didn't say in Chicago, I didn't say in the United States, I said the world. Now, Moody, when he was a young man, he had a conversation with a revival preacher. Uh, he was a fiery kind of guy. His name was Henry Varley. And old Reverend Hank spoke into Moody's life before he started Moody Bible Institute. And Varley said to Moody, the world has yet to see what God can do with one person totally devoted to him. The world has yet to see what God can do with one person totally devoted to him. When Moody heard that statement, it pierced his soul. And he responded and said, I aim to be that man. And it was that one conversation that fueled his legacy and Moody became one of the greatest evangelists in modern history. Ezra was that same kind of man. As we just read a few moments ago, Ezra set his heart to study God's word, to model his word, and to live it out. He was fully devoted to the Lord, sold out to the gospel message, sold out to what God was saying in that day. Ezra took to heart everything that God had said to him, and he completed it all the way to the end. God used him in a tremendous way. He didn't just think, hey, there's some other priests, there's some other prophets, you know, God's using Zerubbabel, there's Nehemiah on the horizon, I know he's a good guy. He, Ezra said, I'm going to present myself before the Lord, and I'm going to be that man that God's going to use. I'm going to be the one who lays aside all the other opportunities and I am going to sell out to God. How many of you know that's the same goal that God has for us today? It's full devotion to him. It's what we've been preaching here at our church for 31 years. Full devotion to the purposes of God. It's trying to understand, it's praying that we could get a handle on what it is that God wants from our lives, not what we want. And, and the Bible says that God gives us the secret desires of our hearts, so they work together, but when we present ourselves before the Lord, we understand that it's full devotion to his purposes. That's what David did. He lived out the purposes of God in his generation, not his own. You know, oftentimes we think that the goal is to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. And when we fall short of amazing, and we just hit the nominal, 
side, that's when we allow the voice of darkness to discourage us and tell us that we're failures. But over the years, I've learned whenever full devotion to God can make its way to the top of the priority list, you will automatically do amazing things. It starts with the proper attitude. Understanding that God is not requiring anything from me other than full devotion. And Jesus came along, he said the very same thing. Take up your cross, give up your life, and follow me. And the building process of full devotion, it spans a lifetime. It doesn't happen overnight. It's an ongoing procedure that God continues to do in our lives. And I can tell you, the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, will always be in your corner, always cheering you on, always encouraging you to continue in the faith. God doesn't bail on any of us. He doesn't quit. The scripture tells us that he will continue to work with us all the way to the very end. In fact, that's what Paul wrote in Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, in who? In me, will complete it. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's design for you and God's design for me, his purpose for his church is to rise and build and finish strong. How I many you know that's what he wants from us? The church that has gone before us, the church dating it all the way back to the first century, they've carried the message, the gospel message. There's been a remnant of people all throughout history that has been able to hear from God. They, they've gotten on their knees and somehow they've been able to receive from the Lord and do the things that God has called us to do. And the, the church hasn't been perfect over the years, but we have to depend upon the leaders that God is calling to hear from him and to spur us on because God wants the church to finish strong, not to just fade out of the way. You've heard me say that often that you, I, I've mentioned that term over and over again, finish strong. And that's what I'm hoping to do with the end of this sermon. <laughs> Thank you. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul declares his own full devotion commitment to the Lord all the way to the very end of his life. And he basically says, in light of everything that I've been through and all of the ongoing opposition that I have faced, and you can read about some of the things that Paul the Apostle went through. He said, in light of all of that, wave after wave of opposition and the assault of the enemy and trial after trial, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I, I have this testimony. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I kept the faith. I don't know about you, but I want that on my resume. I want the Lord to say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. You finished the work I gave you to do, and you finished strong. You didn't bail on the faith. You didn't give up. You didn't succumb to the opposition of the enemy. You were with your assignment all the way to the end. But then two verses later, on the heels of that remarkable statement and testimony, Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 10, 
do your best to come to me quickly because Demas, who? Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Now, when you go over to Philemon, the epistle of Philemon, and you read what Paul had to write, he identifies Demas as a fellow minister of the gospel. He's a co-laborer in the work of Jesus Christ. I mean, there was a time when Demas walked alongside Paul the apostle and preached the gospel message. He had his hand to the plow of ministry. In fact, Paul puts Demas in the same category as John Mark. Remember, John Mark was one of the guys who wrote a gospel. There was only four of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark writes a gospel. Talk about finishing strong and going out on top. John Mark had the same testimony as Paul. He followed in the footsteps of Paul, and he was faithful all the way to the very end. He had that same acknowledgement on his resume. Unfortunately, wasn't the case for Demas. Demas came busting out of the starting gate. He listened to the word of God that was dispatched and the call that the Holy Spirit had placed upon his heart. And he was all in. But somewhere along the line, he got hung up on the rail. And he became a victim of all of the opposition, the chaos, and the confusion in his life. And it it doesn't say that Demas was a big sinner. Paul didn't describe it as him experiencing some kind of moral failure or dropping off the deep end. It wasn't like he became a, a religious or spiritual nut. Paul said he dropped out. He deserted me. There was a time when he was serving. There was a time when he was all in, but then he just bailed. He walked away. And we don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't tell us, but if Demas was able to finish his race like Paul and like John Mark, he probably came limping in on one leg. And friends, I don't want that for you. As much effort and the genuine heart that we have as shepherds here at our church to lead you in the way of God and to encourage you to be open to transformation, I don't want you at the end of your life, at the end of your Christian walk, to have regret and remorse. I don't want you to look back over the years and say, you know what? I I didn't sell out. I barely made it if I even made it. And I bring it up today on Father's Day. And I talk transparently and honestly with you because it's happening. The scripture says it would happen, that many in the last days would depart from the faith, but we're seeing it happen now, and it's happening a lot with our men. Men that have opened their heart to God, men that have responded to the word that's been dispatched, they've gotten involved, I mean, dived in, dive in, Then the opposition came, and some of them have dropped out. 
And I, for one, I miss these guys. I mean, you know, the church needs them. And we need to pray them back into the race. The church is not the church without the people that have left, the people that have dropped out. And our prayer is that their eyes would be open and they'll realize it's time to come back. It's time to rebuild what once was in their hearts. All right, one final passage and we'll be done for today. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we have them here, let us throw off every sin that hinders us. How much of what hinders? Everything. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, the race marked out for me. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him who endured such opposition. Such opposition. But he made it all the way to the end. And consider that so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, the only way that we can finish strong and not faint or drop out or have a half-hearted commitment to God is with full devotion. Again, that has been a part of the mission of Community Christian Church since day one, to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You know, being able to boast or to describe yourself as having a faith-based life, it's a good step in the right direction, but it's not enough today, not these days. We have to have a sold-out mentality to God. The world is yet to see what God can do with one person totally devoted to him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. We're going to close out our service in just a few moments with a song. And it's a rather upbeat song, and so after the song, I'm just going to say goodbye. I'll pray a blessing over you uh, before then. But what I want you to think about right now is where you're at in your race. Because each one of us has been given a path. Each one of us has been called. And again, we're all called to put full devotion to God at the top of our list. There's so many people today who are experiencing opposition, and it's out there, friends, and it's real. You know, in Isaiah, we're told that no weapon that's fashioned against you or no weapon that's formed against you can prosper, and it's the truth. The Spirit of the living God will come up against the opposition and the enemy, and he will bail us, he will help us. But God didn't say in that verse that there's never going to be any weapons fashioned he said they're just not going to prosper. There are going to be some, some opposition and some negative things that are aimed in your direction. We just need to know what to do with them. And when they come our way, it's not time to drop out. It's time to dive in even deeper. 
And so right now, if you're in a battle and you just sense that there's opposition all around, you feel the spiritual warfare, you're not alone. And we're just praying a standard against the enemy. We thank God for the weapons that he's given to us. They are powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. And I'm going to encourage you, don't allow the enemy to get you to drop out. Take that next step toward God. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word, that you are with us always. You never leave us or forsake us. And when you give a word, Lord, you also provide everything necessary for us to accomplish that word. You empower us, Lord. You equip us. I pray that you would do that for your people, especially those, Lord, who are in a battle right now and there just seems to be opposition raging all around them. I thank you, Lord, for being the kind of God that not only shows up, not only shows us your, your glory and power, but, Lord, you defend us as well. Your word tells us that you contend with those who contend with us. You fight against those who fight against us. And we believe that, Lord. And so we listen carefully to the still, small voice of the Spirit, and we make that next step, Lord, in your direction, towards you, not away from you. Deliver us, God, from the whole dispatch, dive, devil, and drop pattern. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's all stand. Let's sing this song together.